0: Elizabeth Short, born July 29, 1924, in Hyde Park in Boston, was a middle child of five daughters, born to Cleo and Phoebe May. Her father's car was found abandoned on the Charlestown Bridge. Everyone thought he committed suicide, leaving Phoebe to raise her five daughters alone, until Elizabeth and her mother saw her father on a street in Medford, Massachusetts one day. After the shock of seeing a dad that was supposed to be dead. She later wrote him requesting to live with him in California. She wanted to take care of him. That decision would trigger a chain of events that would end up with her dead, her body cut in half and posed provocatively in a field down the street from a middle class neighborhood. Her beauty, the mystery surrounding her, the media frenzy. And the brutality captured the attention of America and still has our attention over 50 years later. Her case is still unsolved. This is the case of the Black Dahlia, and this is Outline of a Murder. Okay, we are live. You don't look enthused.
1: <laughs> well, I'm just waiting for you to finish the intro.
0: We're live with our mini-series that has turned into a major series at this point. Mm-hmm. And we're doing historical cases. And this episode is on uh, Elizabeth Short. and Which I th- is? The Black Dahlia. Mm-hmm. So I thought it would be fun to have... Um, like drinks That they drank back then Right?
1: I think it's a wonderful Idea.
0: And so I made my first ever Cocktail, cocktail. Mm-hmm. Because in the Black Dahlia time The Manhattan was the most Popular drink there was mm-hmm. Okay? Right But you're a wimp when it comes to stuff like that
1: Not really but I drink wine
0: Sweet wine. Right. The ants won't drink Right. So what we're going to do is we're going to have you we're going to have you um we're not Did going you say to have that, you that the ants wouldn't drink. Yes. <laughs> so, I want mm-hmm. you to mm-hmm. take your first sip, okay? Okay. And we start uh, we start it for 30 30 seconds. He counted cuz so that's I what you're supposed again? to do. Nope. Nope. okay, I'm ready. Can I oh, go now? You know what? I'm going to try tea. Okay. Okay. Here we go. Right. This is the Manhattan, guys. All right.
1: That was good, Cherry. <laughs> my throat's burning.
0: <laughs> <Breathe>. Stop. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> After we do the intro, actually, it's not
1: bad. Really? Come have a taste. I like it. Come on, Mike. Tell me it's not bad. My throat is burning. No lie. No, it's t- it's tough. <laughs> no wonder it's popular. I bet you could wow. get a gallon the sack anytime with these drinks. What? You want to try it? <laughs>
0: that ain't bad at all, is it? Inside. Oh, I was crying. Oh, my goodness. That's funny for How our very it? first episode. Have a drink, you can have it. He liked it. Oh, I forgot to bring my water. Does she have water in here? We might need some. (laughs)
1: That's so bad in it.
0: I'll I'll eat the cherry though. You know
1: what? It would be better to me it would be better
0: on ice. Yeah. It needs to be cold. Yeah. That's actually not bad at all. Okay. Alright, so my uh, esophagus is burning. Um my eyes are watering because that was pretty stout, huh? It was
1: stout. I don't know how they could even drink Thank these. Thank
0: you. Meaning, oh, I'm fine. Maybe me they neither. didn't have
1: a lot of alcohol back then.
0: Nope, nope. I think they did. But um, this case, I've been okay. So I gotta, you know, tell everybody. Well, first of all, you know, mom is here with me. Um, my sister Elena um, will join us next season. And so, what we do with these. Is um, each, you know, March is when they're going to drop, right? We like to have a mini-series. And so last year we did Family Annihilators. Yes. And then um, we really wanted to do some historical cases. And uh, I'm excited about this. We've got the Black Dahlia, which we're going to start with.
1: I think these cases are my favorite. Yeah. Not the murders, of course. Right. Because they have to really investigate. Yes. There's no DNA. There's no phones. There's no tracking anything. They have to really investigate them. Yeah. And I think they did back then.
0: Yeah, they did. And um, I just have to say, you know, like we've got H.H. Holmes coming up. We've got Jack the Ripper. Um, we've got the London Nude. I had never heard of him until I started investigating Jack the Ripper, actually. And I came across, they call him Jack the Stripper. Uh-huh. Uh huh. We're going to do the Lipstick Killer. So there's a lot of good, we have seven cases completely. But on this one, um, the Black Dahlia, it is a rabbit hole. It is. How how far back are we going?
1: Well, which this one... which is interesting. One, I mean, we're going all back the way to fifteen ninety. Yeah, that's going to so, be interesting. Like fifteen ninety.
0: Yeah, Catherine of uh, Batory. Isn't that crazy? No, Elizabeth. I'm sorry, Elizabeth of Batory, and she's supposedly the most prolific serial killer that there is. Uh, but what? Um, I thought was interesting when I started researching this, these cases is how they're actually tied together. So we're gonna dive into the black dahlia first, and I literally do not know how many parts it's going to be because like I said, it was it was a tough one to research because there's so much information out there, but nothing that is really pertinent to who the killer is. right. That, that's what There's no DNA, there's no fingerprints. Uh, there's nothing to tie the killer. So, this is actually one of the cases that I do not think will ever be solved. You don't? No.
1: It is fascinating, though.
0: And not only but that, you know, but the person's probably dead by now.
1: I was going to say, back when that happened, uh, the people are probably dead. hmm Nobody probably knows. Yeah. I mean, you know.
0: But I, at, if we do like a part two, part three, right. I'm going to give my ideas on who... Like, I I, I uncovered a suspect I had not heard of before. And I know people that maybe follow the Black Dahlia, because there's a really good website. Mm -hmm. Um, Actually, several. A lot of good books, too. There are. And um, what might, you know, people that have followed this more closely might know of this suspect, but I had never heard of him. And uh, so I'm excited. So that'll probably be at the end.
1: I'll have to wait and see, because these cases that she puts together, I only know basics on some of them. So, it's all new to me, too. Yeah. As, as the listeners learn it, I do.
0: Mm-hmm. The year of the block... Block. <laughs> that Manhattan already. Right. Of the Black Dahlias, 1947. Wow. And, again, this episode is going to be very interesting because of all the twists and the turns, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, and and people might... They might think I'm a terrible person by saying this, but one thing that shocked me when I was researching this case, I really found myself not liking Elizabeth Short.
1: You know, me too. not maybe terrible. Not her, just the way she lived. Yes, and, and I'm not used. saying
0: she deser- you know, she did
1: not deserve
0: to no, be killed. No, no, no.
1: But she did manipulate
0: yes, people and in her life and men, family. And, and it, But she's a paradox because you have where, you know, she, like people, I mean, they've said everything from the fact that, you know, you know she was a prostitute. No, she wasn't. No. She was not a prostitute. Other people say she was a loose woman. No, she wasn't. Uh, but she lied a lot of the times for no reason. Like she did not need to lie and she would just lie. And that
1: cost her some relationships by doing that. It did. I I read that somewhere.
0: Well, and not only that, but that's my, I'm, I am triggered by lying. Mm -hmm. I don't like it. It'll really make me angry. And, um, so I think that's probably part of why I'm having a rough time with a victim in this, because it shocked me. I didn't realize she did live off of people. And, um, I, it did feel like maybe there was some manipulation at times, but you know what helped me? Is I, you know, I remembered um, she was young. Right. She was very young. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, when I was researching, I'm like, man, I don't like this person. Like, I don't like how she lived or anything like that. But then I started thinking, oh, my gosh, I was much worse when I was her age. Right. You know, well, I didn't. It comes with being young. It does. It does. Different
1: behaviors. Not the same, maybe, but different. But she didn't deserve what she got for sure. you
0: know what was interesting to me is that her lifestyle and how she was living put her in danger. It did. And what fascinated me even more is it put her in danger back in 1947. I mean, it's not like, you know, the 80s, you know, 70s to 80s, the golden age of serial killers. I mean, it seems like that was a more innocent time back then. I agree. And so
1: I... You know, now doing these cases and listening to podcasts, no... Era was ever without danger,
0: safe. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm finding. Have as many. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I don't.
1: I don't know either. Or they wasn't talked about or reported. But yeah, I don't think any era
0: was safe. Yeah, I don't either. And uh, and the the time frame is very interesting because back then is when the um film noir is that how you say it came out the um dark, you know themed films. Uh, right. Because I guess back then, with World War II, there was um, a lot of pessimism. There was a lot of questioning of life. And uh, movies and things got really dark and stark back then. Well, look
1: at your dad. They uh, Vietnam, they questioned that, too, almost every...
0: I mean, Vietnam was like well, 20 know. years it, you uh, know, later. But
1: you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, different eras, different yeah. situations. Yeah. You question different centuries, you know. Different. I mean, yeah. you just question.
0: Yeah, so it was an interesting thing, and that's where her name came from. Actually, there was a movie called The Blue Dahlia, oh. and and we'll get to that. But they mm. called her the Black Dahlia because of her black hair.
1: She did have black hair.
0: She did, and piercing blue eyes. Mm. She's pretty. Her eyes were gorgeous. Okay, so, um, now you know, we've I've watched true crime. And, you know, for years and years and years, I've read true crime books. And she was actually the first victim that ever annoyed me. So I just thought, you know, full confession, I would get that out there. But then, you know, when I realized she was like, what, 23, that's very, very young. Um, She lived a high-risk, transient lifestyle, uh, sleeping on couches, spare bedrooms, sharing hotels or apartments with people that she barely knew. Right, right. Um, sometimes complete strangers. But didn't she, she also, every now and then, she'd work
1: for short periods of time? Very, very short yeah. period
0: of time. Yeah. Um, she did date a lot of guys, especially GIs, but she wasn't loose. And that's no. what people need to understand. She was not um, a girl that just slept with everybody that she came into contact with. She was actually pretty, uh, pretty. Um, maybe small town would be a good word. Or Do you know about her uh, parents? Yeah, we're going to get into her, that a little bit. Okay, mm-hmm. like that? Okay. Well, no, yeah, actually, yes. Um, now, what's weird is she would sometimes say that she was sleeping with people that she wasn't sleeping with, and then other times um, she would claim to be a virgin. So I'm not sure um, what she was, uh, but from the r- research, she did not sleep around, Okay. She did have a rough childhood, which we'll get into, Um, and then we'll go into the discovery of the body, the autopsy, etc. This murder is extremely violent and sadistic. Uh, It was to destroy her beauty. It was to destroy, like, she was shamed. She was shamed on how she was posed um, and what was done to her. She was tortured before she died. They know that. And if you've got any kiddos, you probably do not want them hearing this podcast because we're going to get into some of the autopsies and things like that. I also discovered that they have some of the original documents on the FBI's website. Oh, yeah. I heard that on There's uh, one a of the lot. podcasts that yep. you could look up a lot, and see on there. I did. And it was interesting. I didn't finish because it was overwhelming. I've actually got them downloaded, but... What was interesting is um, you could see how they were trailing different suspects and trying to get her identified and trying to get you know fingerprints and all that stuff. It was it was really fascinating to get inside the process. And uh, so I recommend. I mean, if this is like your case, I would definitely go and check all of that information out. It'll take you a while, but it was uh, fascinating. So Elizabeth Short was born July twenty ninth, nineteen twenty four. In the Hyde Park section of Boston. And she was the third of five daughters born to Cleo and uh, Phoebe or Phoebe? F O E B E? Is that Phoebe or Phoebe?
1: I would say Phoebe, but. Uh,
0: yeah, it sounds like Phoebe. Forgive um, us
1: if we pronounced it wrong.
0: Phoebe May. Her father briefly moved the family to Portland, Maine, and then they settled in Medford, Massachusetts, and that's where she grew up.
1: What's interesting is he military? Because she used to,
0: Mm-mm. she
1: liked military men.
0: I mean, he might have been in World War I, because I think they had the draft, didn't they?
1: Yeah, but I wonder if they moved a lot.
0: No, you know, no, actually, it sounds like he was an unstable person. Oh. Yeah, Um, her dad built miniature golf courses, but then he lost all of his money in the 1929 stock market crash. Oh, yeah. And uh, and what's crazy is, what, like, he disappeared. His car was found abandoned on the charlestown bridge and so many believe that he committed suicide sounds like it to and me. for many many years that's what they thought oh yeah oh. so Phoebe, she began working as a bookkeeper okay to support her family and she raised all of her daughters during the great depression by herself mm-hmm. that's a strong woman yeah it is and um she was you know Besides just being an amazing single mom, she was described as a very caring woman. And then uh, uh, Elizabeth, she was liked in school, so definitely had lots of friends. But they they say that she was starstruck and she moved to L.A. to be in movies, but there is no evidence of that at all, that she she was going to to be in movies. Yes, but there's, like, I kept looking for where she was trying out for roles and stuff. She never did. And what actually got her in California, I believe, was a guy. Did she model? Mm-mm. No. But the reason they said she was starstruck is her schoolmates called her Medford High's Deanna Durbin, a popular film actress and singer. So in her autographed book, which I didn't even know what that was, so I had to look it up but there were 10 references to that nickname so an autograph book is a book for collecting the autographs of others and traditionally they were exchanged among friends colleagues and classma- classmates to fill fill with poems drawings personal messages small pieces of verse and other moment- me- mementos their modern um, like you know examples would be yearbooks today friendship books and guest books, but I guess they were popular among university students from the 15th century to the 19th century, and then they weren't as popular anymore.
1: Well, sort of like a journal, but autograph books when I was growing up is when you would meet your favorite star or someone famous or someone you thought a lot of and they'd sign something in your book.
0: Mm-mm. No, this, this right here is a, a, an example of an autograph book. Wow. Yeah, isn't that neat? And, sort of um, like a journal. Little diary, and I think doesn't that say eighteen ninety eight? I can't see. I think it does. Yeah, eighteen ninety eight. So I guess that's you know that was a thing, kind of like friendship bracelets were when I was a kid. Uh, So yeah, you would just have this book, and people would sign it and write little things. Write little things in there. Isn't that neat? Yeah, Yeah, your friend and schoolmate. I think that's really cool. Cool. So that's an autograph book. Had no idea. Me either. Now, one passage in it said, to a friend worth having in Medford High's Deanna Durbin. Another said, to the sweetest and cutest double of Deanna Durbin. So many considered her the prettiest of the sisters, and she was striking, dark hair with really light um, blue eyes. What does that say at the top of that
1: autograph book or diary?
0: I can't. Can you see that? mm no. But you can see, so this obviously is Elizabeth Short, and that's Deanna Durbin.
1: But there's a little similar. Mm-hmm.
0: There's a me. little bit. But, uh, I, but in I think, high
1: school, she might have looked more like her. You know
0: well, she's I mean? not much older in this one, though. Okay. Oh, um, yeah. But I, I thought it was interesting how they both posed their eyes the same for the pictures. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I don't think she necessarily looks like Deanna uh, Durbin, but definitely you know a little bit close like you could I see this simil- be
1: because of her hair.
0: similarities mm-hmm well and their Orally, eyes in the, eye, the way know. they're looking maybe but her
1: eyebrows yeah
0: uh, so again she was like the prettiest you know of all the sisters she had pale white skin which was a thing back then right mm-hmm. um, and then she had those just her eyes are piercing so from these autographs you can tell that she was well liked as described. Her mother uh, said that she was, quote, a very affectionate, sweet girl. And if she was out at night, she always stopped in my bedroom to talk. And she would talk and talk until everything she had done and everything is what her mother wrote um, uh, or said in an interview. And then also she wrote her mom every single week.
1: Oh, she did? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she was close to her mother. Yeah.
0: So whenever she was away from home, she would write her. And... Uh, now, she had bronchitis a lot as a kid, so uh, that produced, like, severe asthma attacks. And she had to have lung surgery when she oh. was 15, so I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. And then doctors, they wanted to get her in a milder climate, because you can imagine Massachusetts would have oh, yeah. tremendous cold and storms, you know, dry air.
1: have inhalers back then? I don't know. I wouldn't think so, huh? I don't know. In the
0: 40s. And uh, so they moved her uh, to basically in the winter, they moved her to Miami, Florida for the next three years. So she'd lived there during the winter. And then she dropped out of Medford High School in her sophomore year. Oh, young. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was very young. So, what, at maybe 16, 16? 16. Unless having surgeries, she might have been an older student if she missed school. Oh, yeah, that's
1: true, too. Cause so, she's probably out. And I imagine surgeries aren't like they are now.
0: Right. So, I'm not sure, you know, what the recovery time was, if they did in the summer, so she didn't have to miss school. So, I mean, we could guess she'd probably be about 15, 16, Mm -hmm. maybe 17. Mm -hmm. Now, I hope this part of the story is correct, because I I did a lot of digging, and now we're going to, you know, fast forward to L.A., okay? And this is where her, obviously, her body was discovered. And sometime in 1942, because things get murky. That's why I'm not sure that I have my facts straight. Uh, She did like to be called Beth, by the way, for short. So I might go ahead and just switch it up and call her Beth because she liked that. But her mother, Phoebe, saw her father, Cleo Short, on the street in Medford, Massachusetts. So it was faked his own death. Yes. He abandoned his family. Wow. I forgot. The man that got her to L.A. was her dad. Yeah, I forgot about that. What? Yeah. So, okay, what happened was they're on the street. They see, you know, she sees, obviously, her husband that's supposed to be dead. What are the chances of that? Right. And... And how many more years later? I'm not sure. This is 1942. So, let's see. She was born in 24. And he left how So, she would have been 18. I don't know when he um, left. I just know she was little. Oh, my. And so Beth briefly spoke with him and then later wrote him and told him that she wanted to visit and care for him uh, where he now lived in Vallejo, California. So it sounds like he was just there for some reason in Medford. And then they see him, but he's actually living in California. That's
1: crazy. Out of the blue. Yeah. There he is. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And then other stories say that Phoebe actually received a letter from him uh, in late 1942 uh, where Cleo was apologizing, stating that he was alive and he lived in California. Now, uh, that seems more likely, but anything yeah, could happen. Yeah. And again, that's where it gets murky because I don't know, but I do know that she did contact him to live with him. Uh, and I you know, when I write these, I sometimes forget some of the details. You asked how old she was. It appears that she was six when he, when left? he left. Wow. hmm So he sent her $200 and she arrived uh, in December of 1942. She stayed with him and a lady named Mrs. Yankee, who was living with him at the time. I don't know what her first name was. The three moved to uh, 10 and a half west 36th street in la later and then three weeks after beth after that beth let mrs monte Monty, a neighbor in the rear house know that she was going to camp cook to work in the post exchange and she even wrote her mother that she was working there uh there are reports that her father was a drinker and they argued a lot and so that's why she wanted to move out was she working there she might have lasted a day if that... I, I'm pretty sure it's in my notes. Yeah, because
1: the books I read, she didn't last long. No, she at just would any quit. job. Yeah. yeah.
0: But, I mean, if you think about it, maybe the reason she was so unstable when it comes to her living arrangements and holding down a job is, I mean, a dad dying when you're young is really earth-shattering, and then to find out he's alive, I cannot imagine how that would feel like the betrayal the rejection mm-hmm.
1: self esteem would be low Oh
0: yeah I mean it would be devastating to me to find out my dad basically I would interpret that as he hated his family and he right. left us And then
1: you meet him and he's not what you thought he would yeah. be a drinker and Yeah they fought all the time So That's sort of sad It
0: is sad and I had never heard the details of her mm-hmm. life because you know the the psychology of why people make certain decisions always fascinates me, and I deal with that a lot, you know, with mentoring and stuff right. in my business. That's what I do, and I can see why she was so unstable. You know what? It really like her story is like she was trying to find someone to love her. Quite frankly, that's. Do you
1: think she was unstable though?
0: Well, just the think fact she that was she unstable. I think. Well, I don't mean unstable mentally. Oh, okay. I just mean okay. unstable as far as not keeping a job. You oh, know, yeah, earning yeah. her own money and getting her own place and it's building a life. Right. Yeah, like it wasn't like she was trying to build a life. It actually looks like she was trying to find someone to love her and marry her is right. is what it, you know, and not saying that's bad, but um, I that think. That was her focus. Yeah. And I, and her, your dad leaving you when you were young, I could see how you mm-hmm. would want someone to love you. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, Beth arrived January 29th, 1943 and got the job. Her manager, Inez Keeling, said, quote, I was won over all at once by her almost childlike charm and beauty. She was one of the loveliest girls I have ever seen and the most shy. Oh, I thought she it was, was interesting. Mm-hmm. She only worked there a couple weeks before taking off. She was chosen as a camp cutie before she left.
1: Oh, yeah. She, it, she
0: was a sweetheart. She was a sweetheart who lied. But again, she was young. She was,
1: yeah,
0: she was young, <laughs> and it's just important to know. You know, we all have triggers and things that really irritate us. And again, lying is one, of those. is
1: one of them. Yeah.
0: After she left, she lived in several towns briefly. A twelve-year-old Paul Veglia remembers seeing her every day for two months at his dad's hotel. It's the hitching post in Cosmalia. Do you know where that is? Because no. you're from California. No, I okay. yeah,
1: but I have never heard of that before. So
0: that was where she was in the summer of 1943. So she gets a job, what we said, in January. January 29th is when she arrived, and then she was gone two weeks later, and then she would move you know, to several towns briefly, and then she ended up at the hitching post in the summer of forty-three. And she stayed in a cabin near the hotel, and she would also go to the hotel bar. But a lot of people said she did not drink when she See, was at I the told bar. She did, Mm-mm. but she didn't. I don't know if she later did, but oh, at okay. this point, at she's not point. drinking. But I heard both. Uh, so again, that's why it's so. There's so hard. many
1: stories about her. Yeah,
0: and a lot of them are not true. No, they're not.
1: And as the years go on, they add things. Yes, you know, when you're
0: writing a book. Yep. You You don't know. Yeah. Let's see. Um, she would order sodas. And then she also lived in Lompoc and Santa Barbara. So I'm not sure where Lompoc is. I know where
1: Santa Barbara Me too, of course, but not.
0: But it was in Santa Barbara that she was arrested. For? So this was September 23rd, 1943. And again, here's the paradox because many of her friends said she didn't drink, but the arrest was for drinking in a local bar while underage. So she was either not drinking and got arrested for being in the bar or she was drinking and got arrested. I don't know. What I do know is the arresting officer, Mary Unkeffer, I think is how you say it, or Unkeffer, she befriended Beth and allowed her to stay at her home for nine days while juvenile authorities, uh, before they sent her back home to Medford. Uh So at this point, she has to be, what, 17? She has to be. Yeah. Or at least well, 17
1: or 18, at least.
0: Because drinking was, uh you had to probably be 21 even probably. back then. Yep. I know it was lowered to 18 when Dad was young, and then too many teenagers were getting killed in car wrecks and stuff, so they put it back up to 21.
1: I'd say back then at least 21. So right? she
0: might have been 17 if she was considered a juvenile and she was being okay. sent back home. Oh, yeah, juvenile. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah. I bet she was maybe, God, was-, was she younger? than I thought when she was murdered. Okay, so that was 1943. Right. Okay. Uh, huh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, instead of going to Medford, she went to Florida and visited her family there. Because I guess, you know, she would go down there and then she'd go back home and visit occasionally, but she did not go back to her I mom. I guess they
1: just gave her a bus ticket. I've Probably. heard that before in a Probably. lot of shows and stuff. They give them a the bus ticket. And some don't even... You go home. Yeah. And some don't even... Get on the bus. Get on the bus.
0: Okay, Officer Mary said that she was very good looking with beautiful dark hair and fair skin. She dressed nicely and was a long way from being a bar fly. She also described a tattoo that Beth had of a rose on her left leg that she loved to sit so that it would show. Which, I mean, having a tattoo back then... In the
1: 40s, that's sort of unusual. Right.
0: I mean, that's a big deal. I don't know, but I'm sure it was scandalous.
1: It had to have been because...
0: Did I ever tell you my tattoo story? No. Okay. weren't with us we were here but you weren't with us at the tattoo parlor with
1: you with at sparrows
0: you were there i don't yeah. remember you there yeah, i was there Dad block it out
1: you might have it's okay when he walked out to get high have a smoke yeah
0: he's dead now yeah. uh well,
1: that's not why he's dead but
0: right it was yeah <laughs> but yeah and we and, didn't kill I him either that. no <laughs> but i went i wanted the butterfly right but i was in my thirties, and Dad. Was like no tattoos ever, right? I was so nervous he was going to see it. So for like weeks, I wore pants where he couldn't see it because it's on my ankle. And I'm like, "You're She's in her thirties, yeah. You're being a child, Cherry. You know, like you're being a child. You need to, you need to be bold and you just let Dad see that tattoo." Okay. Nope. So anyway, uh, finally, I was like, "You know what? This is dumb. It's summer. I'm hot. I'm not." <laughs> so I go over there, and uh, I, you know, was sitting there, and he goes, what's that thing on your ankle? Oh, uh, it was like I was, you know, a teenager. I was oh, like, oh, man, no. I'm going to get in so much trouble, he's going to ground me. Oh, <laughs> anyway, what? I said, what thing? <laughs> what thing? <laughs> and so he came over and he looked at it. He said, well, that's nice looking, little. and I like that. And I'm like, oh, yes, <laughs> you know.
1: Thank you. When you think people won't react like you assume they will, it's always
0: And here's what I think. Because when you have parents, you always think you're going to get in trouble for stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And he probably only told me that because I was a teenager. To scare you. Yeah. And now that I'm an adult, you know, which I forgot. Yeah. Then, you know. But my tattoo still looks good. It does. Elena's. "Mm." But the other thing is I had to pretend that it didn't hurt. Because I went first. That's the worst thing. Yes, is where you have and it when it goes head. on the bone, yep. that is not pleasant. Now, why so, do you have to pretend? Because I knew here? that if I showed that it hurt at all, she was going to back out on me. That's what I was afraid of. So I had to poke her face, and she's like, "Does it hurt?" Nah. You know. Oh my! And on the inside, Good I'm actress. crying. I'm screaming. You know. And uh, I wondered why you were sitting there because.
1: I had always hurt on the ankle. I don't have oh, one. Oh yeah, the no, ankle. Actually,
0: the horrible. only part that hurt was where the bone is on the ankle. Other than that, it was not that bad. It's like a cat scratch. But hers was on her spine. Yeah, yeah, that hurt really and bad. And it was a big one. Yep, it wasn't as small as yours. Yep, but I did a good job, mm-hmm. didn't I? Mm-hmm. You had no idea, did you? Mm-hmm. Yep, I was dying. Anyway, oh. okay. So she's in Florida and she meets a major Matthew Michael Gordon Jr a decorated Army Air Force officer of the 2nd Air Commando Group. He was training to de- uh, for deployment to Southeast Asian to the Southeast Asian Theater of World War II. Beth later told friends that he had written a marriage proposal to her as he was recovering from a plane crash in India. She well, how ex- long had he known her? I don't know. I don't know. So we know that she went back to Florida in 43. 43. 43. And then um, she said that she accepted, but he died in a second crash on August 10th, 1945. So this is two years from when she had to go back uh, home. The war only had a week left. Oh, no. But here's the thing. She lied all the time. So close. Okay. So to some people, she said that he was her husband and he wasn't. She even carried a newspaper clipping of his death claiming to be his widow. Really? Yeah, and I can't verify that they were ever engaged. So I don't know if that was another lie. I mean, seriously, guys, when you look at how much she lied, it's shocking.
1: Well, didn't the love letter say that he had
0: asked her? I've not found any evidence of any marriage proposal or love letter. Now, there might be. I could be wrong. But we do know she did die uh, or lie about being his widow, because they were never married. So that part's a fact. Wow. That's a pretty big lie. And then something strange happened in Florida. It's like one of those weird things that you're not even sure it's part of the case. It's just really, and I don't even know if it's related, but she received a telegram from Washington, D.C. that said, quote, a promise is a promise to a person of the world. What does that mean? I don't know, and Who is she it never. From? I don't know, and and so again, it it may not even be related, but it's weird.
1: I wonder why she wanted to get married and dated so many men because of her dad.
0: Yeah, you know that's what I think. It's sort
1: of how you enjoying that drink, that Manhattan. Whew. Yeah.
0: Mm goodness forgot how strong it is have you ever had a cocktail before no no this is my first you're here for my first cocktail and probably my last and she's in her 40s actually it won't be the last because we're gonna have like several over (laughs) not manhattan so actually that is not bad i mean it it is no it's not i I don't like strong alcohol taste but that's really not bad at all i'm surprised very strong it is Alcohol strong. Yeah. yeah. Well, and if I would have had a more expensive whiskey, it would have been better. Okay. But I didn't want to spend $146. Right. <laughs> now, so that was a weird deal. And then we've got records of her, like her trunk, you know how they would use trunks right. back then, that was dated June 1st, 1946, that shows that she stayed in Indianapolis and Chicago before she went back to California. So okay.
1: in between forty three to forty six, what happened between then? So she was
0: in Florida, mm-hmm. and then she was also in Indianapolis and Chicago, and then she would sometimes go see her family in Medford.
1: But no reports of a
0: gentleman or a. I don't know. I don't job, know because that's it. Three doesn't di- three years? Yeah, it doesn't sound like there was. But okay. here's where, and and this is going to be for this mini series or our uh, mid you know series. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, when she was in Chicago, she became very interested in the Susan Degnan murder. We're going to get into that, because that is William Hirons. That's the lipstick killer case. Oh. See, so, I
1: hadn't heard of that
0: case yeah, before. Yeah, they all intertwine. It's very interesting. Oh. and um, so William uh, Hirons was accused of killing a, the young girl. She was um maybe like six to eight, I think, which we'll oh, get into. No. She was dismembered, and uh, and and he literally served the entire time in prison for that murder and two other murders. And I don't think he did either, none of them. No, I, I don't even think they were the same killer. I uh-huh. think the first two were, but the little girl was completely separate. But we'll we'll break that down. Uh, but Beth had a friend in Chicago at the time. His name was Freddie Woods. He was twenty three, and he said that she was quote fascinated with the death of Suzanne. And told Woods that she was a reporter covering the trial. Again. Why? To, to get
1: him or be... I don't know. I mean, it just... More to impress him or... wonder what fascinated her about the trial. Curiosity I'm not sure. Or because it
0: could be because, I mean, we're... Obviously, right, we have a true crime right, podcast, right. you know, so we can... That's true. You know, to me, I think the psychology is what's fascinating to me. It but is. Why would she say... Why did she lie so much already, like in her young life? And well, this she is just the tip of iceberg. not think very
1: highly of herself, and that's the only way to make herself feel important, Could be. maybe. Could be.
0: Now, in July 1946, okay, so now mm-hmm. we're four years later, Beth arrived back in L.A. to visit Army Air Force Lieutenant Joseph Gordon Fickling, whom she had met in Florida. Now, some reports say that he was her boyfriend, and she lived with him in Long Beach and in Hollywood. During this time with Fickling, Elizabeth was, quote, radiant in telling everyone she's going to marry an army officer.
1: Is he the one, there was one that she dated that they, di- they didn't have any kind of relationship at all? He might be one.
0: There's one where, again, it was a lie. The but relationship and everything him. was a lie. But yeah. they didn't
1: sleep in the same bed. They mm-hmm. didn't. They, it was more real cordial. Mm-hmm. I read that.
0: Yeah, and again, I'm not sure she may have never slept with anybody. I mean, she would say that she did sometimes, and then other times she didn't. You know, like she was saying she was a virgin. So I have no idea.
1: Autopsy wasn't able to Mm -mm. determine that. But what we
0: do know is that on August 20th, both he and Beth registered as husband and wife at the Brevort Apartments on Lexington Avenue in Hollywood, and they lived there for seven days. They split up, and Beth moved to the Hawthorne Hotel. She lived there from August 28th until September 20th. She lived with a friend from Cambridge, Massachusetts, that had come down. She had bumped into her, actually. It's interesting.
1: She's lived all these places, and
0: no record, she didn't pay rent. I mean, she just yeah, she didn't, pay. And, didn't work. And you know what I thought was interesting is she dressed well. Like, well, how does she too. get her clothes I mean, where was she getting money unless people were just getting them from her? Like, she wasn't... She wasn't a prostitute. No, she was not a prostitute. She
1: wasn't a prostitute.
0: It's just interesting that she um, dressed so well, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, for not having any money. Okay. So, she bumps into this friend from Cambridge and then another young lady who was a runaway and underage, and they did not get along. So, the two moved to another room and found a new roommate and then eventually all four left Hawthorne. Also during this time, Arthur Curtis James Jr. claimed to have sketched her and painted her over a three-month period after meeting her in a cocktail lounge in Hollywood in August 1944. He was also known as Charles B. Smith, and he had been convicted of the Mann Act, in November for uh, 1944 in Tucson, Arizona. So I'm like, what the heck What's is that? the Man Act? And it's M A N N. And the Man Act is quote transportation of any woman for prostitution, debauchery, or any immoral act. So she's getting around people that are dangerous. At this and she point,
1: wasn't no,
0: she wasn't. And but I I don't know if she was actually sketched. That's the thing. Well, there, they have not have proof of her being sketched or Mm-mm. painting. Mm-mm. I mean, it's, it's just such a fascinating case. Okay, so then here's what's happening. A pattern is developing where Beth would rely on friends and acquaintances to help her out. This continued until her death and I believe contributed to a high-risk lifestyle like we talked about before. Because she's around mm-hmm. a lot of strangers. Uh, she also told people that the lieutenant she was marrying was in a hospital in L.A., and she was hoping he would get released in time for the wedding in November, which was again not true.
1: Was anyone in the hospital at all? No. Nothing. She made the whole thing up. That's just amazing. Is it not amazing? Why she would do that and
0: doesn't even have to. That's what I'm saying. There were so many things that she lied about. She did not have to lie. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like she was building this fantasy life. It was so weird, and that's why I was irritated. I'm like, "Why are you saying that?" <laughs> you if she don't ever need stayed to. in one
1: place or or even married, maybe she did have mental illness, or maybe she just uh, was a liar. And she lied. might have been.
0: Yeah, she might have been. Um, just, you know, some people just do it. They do. Okay, so from this point on of the story of Beth, we see a frequent moving from place to place to place until September 1946 when Sid Zade took Beth and another friend of hers in, but his house was too small. So now we're getting into an important person in the story, and that is Mark Hansen. I'm sure you've heard of his name. I've heard of his, of his name. name, yes. Okay. So it's Sid Zaid that introduced her to Mark Hansen. He was a part owner of the nightclub Florentine Gardens and a major character in the story. Hansen agreed to take them in after Sid explained the situation. Both of them stayed there until October 10th. And I know I'm throwing out a lot of dates, but it's kind of like the timeline. After that, they stayed with random men they would meet. Wow! Yeah, it's and hard to
1: believe though that she wasn't into prostitute, even though we know she wasn't. Yeah, she or wasn't. that she did not have relations with with some of them.
0: Yeah, and we've even got mm-hmm. proof that she did not um, sleep with one guy that was ha- having an affair with her, but she never slept with uh, him. Yeah, and if you hear the dog barking, that's because there is a dog barking. <laughs> right. Okay, so. Um, after that, you know, they stay with these random men reports of one stay by one of the men was that Beth would sleep on the sofa. And then during Uh this time, both Marjorie, her friend from Massachusetts and Beth, they went home. Back to Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. Oh, but Beth would later return with an amateur photographer named Glenn Stearns. I mean, it's head spinning. It is so. There's a lot of names
1: and a lot of men to keep a lot up of with, names, and a lot of friends, a lot of places, a lot of, a lies, a lot of dates, a lot. and
0: moving around. I mean, it's just it's you know you'll never get it straight. But the point of this is just to show how transient her life was. Mm-hmm. Not saying she was homeless and that she was living on the streets and sleeping on park benches but she was definitely living a high-risk lifestyle and again back then you probably would never think you'd be murdered i mean it was so innocent not in
1: the 40s yeah well she actually was skilled i mean didn't have to spend a dime yeah roof overhead nice clothes
0: yeah 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 okay but dangerous now, when we get to, um, now, and, and I get confused again, because Glenn said that he met Beth on Hollywood Boulevard in 1946, but some reports say that she returned to California with him from Massachusetts, so I don't know. I'm not sure which. Well, but, we
1: know she ended up back there. Yeah,
0: she definitely ended back, but so where she met him, I'm not sure. What
1: year did she end back? At this time,
0: it's 1946. So she. So
1: he may have taken her back.
0: He might have, yeah. Now, Stearns said that Beth was a good subject for photographs because she was striking, which I completely agree. He contacted the police after learning she was the victim and brought the photos he had taken of her around October 22nd, 1945, at Marshall High School, which I think that is in Massachusetts, but I'm not sure. I, could, I didn't know if it was in L.A. or Massachusetts. He then drove her to the Guardian Arms Apartments and picked up her luggage. Well, it'd have to be California because he then drove her out to San Fernando Valley where she hoped to find a place to stay, but she couldn't. So he took her back to Mark Hanson's home where her friend, Ann Toth, lived there and let her back in. Now, there's a whole story behind that, which we'll She get lived into. with Mark, mm-hmm. the friend? Off and on. So she basically, she was kicked out, which I'll get into in a second. Right. And then she's trying to find a place to stay. She can't find a place to stay. So Anne lets her back into the apartment, really against Mark Hansen's, you know, wishes. He didn't want her there and she ended up getting kicked out again.
1: What was the reason, do you know?
0: We'll get into that one. Okay. Okay. So she ends up back at his house and she was there until Anne found a place for her and even paid her rent on November thirteenth. Beth stayed at that location, which was the Chancellor. Until December 6th. And now we're getting closer to her murder. Okay, so the chancellor was in a bad part of town. So it was not safe for a young girl. When Beth left that place, (laughs) well, yeah, Man, she's left. It's hard to keep track. Yeah. She ended up. In the Bay Area to spend... Well, she was. She told friends she was going to the Bay Area to spend Christmas with her sister, Virginia. So her sister did live in the Bay Area. Okay? So that is, that is true. So
1: so some of her sisters are just the one was in California?
0: Yeah. One of them was in California, Virginia.
1: I wonder if she kept up with them if she was close to them.
0: It doesn't sound like it. Hmm. I mean, but I don't know. I mean, she'd write her mom home. But how close could you be? When back then, you know, telephones Because the books really...
1: don't really mention the family yeah. much at all.
0: Yeah. I was surprised at what I learned about the family. I didn't know that her dad did that. And, you it's know, crazy. It definitely answered some questions for me. Okay. So, she never went to her sister's. She lied again. And I'm not sure why. Instead, she went south to San Diego. Investigators learned that she was picked up the same evening of December 6 by a Carl Balsiger or Ballseger. Ballseger took her on a business trip to Camarillo. They returned later later with another passenger, Walter Thatcher the next day, and they drove through Rosetta and West, in the West San Fernando Valley ending up back in Hollywood. Uh, Ballseiger said that he found a room for Beth that evening, but investigators were not able to cl- verify his claim. He then said that he dropped her off at the bus station the next day. Beth told Boss Seeker that she was going to go to Berkeley to see her sister. Another lie. She went, so she
1: ends up with two men. Uh huh.
0: Strangers. Yeah. Well, see.
1: Yeah. I, don't I mean, know. it's
0: crazy. It is. There's so many suspects, but I don't think that actually any of these men did it. You don't? No. And we'll get into why because it's too sophisticated.
1: I mean, two men though, mm-hmm. and you're not sleeping with them.
0: Mm-mm, no.
1: And they' willing to help her.
0: And like, let me show you.
1: That's just amazing.
0: So, and I and I've got a reason for those weird pieces of art, but um, that's her arrest record. Mm-hmm. She's so pretty, you know the eyes, um, and then that's a police bull- bulletin that came out. Um, when she went missing, and then here's they they found these things. Like here's a picture of her with a man, and they look here's a picture. And look of her how she holds his hand. It yeah. looks like
1: they're involved.
0: And uh, he's military, obviously. I don't mm-hmm. know about this guy, but they found these pictures, and they don't know who they are. Oh, which is interesting. How they got a hold of them? Where'd they find them? Uh. If I'm not mistaken they were mailed by the killer.
1: Oh, really? Oh, Yeah, it's interesting. How how would the killer get them?
0: Wait, like, they were in her purse. Oh, in her purse yeah. cuz I was going to say I
1: don't I didn't read anything that
0: Oh yeah, that it, I didn't it, know
1: about went to her place and where she lived or anything. Yeah, I didn't so it was in her even... purse. Yeah,
0: I didn't even know the killer mailed stuff to people. I had no idea about that. Okay. So again, another lie. And she went back to San Diego and she bought a ticket to an all-night theater and she became, fr- friends, became friends with Dorothy French, the cashier. Dorothy invited her to stay at her home with her mother and brother for a few days. But Beth ended up staying an entire month, which the French family did not anticipate nor did they appreciate at all.
1: Oh, It's amazing to me how she... Can find places and people that want to take her in. Right. She must have an innocence about her, too. That's what that
0: one person said that she was very innocent and shy. Mm. Uh, So I think people felt sorry for her. Right. She um, left on January 8th and they stated that she met and dated men and went dancing and dining with new acquaintances when she lived with them. One was an unidentified naval officer and another was a married man. Robert Red Manley. Red was his nickname. He was the last known person to spend considerable time with her, and he was a big suspect at first.
1: Yeah, yeah. I remember that. Yes, I do.
0: So she asked Red to take her to L.A. after they saw each other several times, which he did. He then drove her to the Biltmore uh, in L.A. on January ninth, 1947. He left her in the lobby... When her body was found six days later, he became one of the prime suspects, but he was cleared.
1: It's just amazing to me. I hate going back and forth to this, but no relationships with anybody. Mm -mm. You're having an affair with a a married. I mean, what man, of course, they were more gentlemen back then, Mm -hmm. would take her all over the place. Right. Buy her clothes, give her places to stay with nothing in
0: return. yeah. Hmm. Well, and I, I guess she wasn't very pleasant either. And he mentions that, like he didn't oh, really? like being with her. Yeah, but was he like he? From what some people say, they never slept together, and that may have made him mad, and that's why he, you know, said some of the things he said. But I don't know. I think she was uh, extremely sad. Oh, I do. yeah. I think she was a very sad person. Rejection
1: after rejection after rejection.
0: Maybe, or just she's sad in general. You know, and her life yeah, is sad. It's so true. That may be why she lied about having these fiancés and these different people and getting married because, you know, that was her dream. Mm-hmm. So it's it's just an interesting deal. Um, but again... And you know what's
1: interesting? No one really knows her well enough to explain a lot about her and her actions. No. Her friends, her parents, nobody. Yeah. That's sort of interesting too.
0: Yeah, even her own family, like they thought she was... Working, she was building a life in LA. No, she was mm. just running around from house to house, couch to couch. If they would have known, I'm sure they would have done something about it, but they had no idea because she would literally lie in her letters to her family. Mm. Okay, now, uh, you know, obviously not living back in that day, you know,
1: right? It's me har- either,
0: it's hard for me to grasp her need to bounce from location to lo- location by choice it's like it was by choice but she wasn't doing drugs no she preferred soda over alcohol so even though she'd be in bars she would drink soda and she seemed like a nice girl who did lie compulsively
1: yeah not a bar hop yeah or or a prostitute. Have- you know, yeah. sit in the bars back then. and
0: It's so weird. That is
1: very strange behavior to me. And
0: she might have had her reasons, but we don't know. Because like you said, she's like the best not well-known victim no one there knows. is.
1: Even people around her. Yeah. That's interesting.
0: And, I mean, maybe she was chasing a future. You know, I don't know. There's no record, again, that she ever auditioned or pursued an acting career. Uh, she sounds like really a very immature girl that Mm -hmm. didn't grasp the danger that she was in. And of course the forties were a very innocent time. Uh, now how did she get her name? The, okay. Oh, my stuff. Here we go. Okay. So in 1946, a new style of movie making was introduced called film noir or dark film. It was a, excuse me. (laughs) Excuse me. Goodness. It was a genre of movie making that included cynical heroes, stark lighting, flashbacks, intricate plots, and existentialist. (laughs) Well, I'm not sure what that is. (laughs) E X I S T E N T I A L I S T. Yeah. Yeah. Which, basically, let me sum it up for you. Life sucks, so why keep on living? Right. Basically, is what that means. Those kind of movies. Because there's no home for happiness. Right. You know. And so one of those films was The Blue Dahlia. And it held personal meaning for Elizabeth. Like, she watched it and really liked that movie. And if I'm not mistaken, she watched it over and over.
1: Did you ever try to look it up and see if you could watch the movie?
0: No, that's a good idea. That'd
1: be interesting. Yeah. It's got to be around.
0: I mean, it have to be
1: because this case is so big.
0: Well, I think like was it Casablanca during that time? Uh I mean, there were you know, which was
1: a great movie. Yeah,
0: and it was Stark. Uh You know, the uh hero uh was troubled, right? So that's a good example of that. She lived in a time of war, which is probably why film noir was there.
1: We should look that up later, Mm -hmm. yeah, and
0: see if it's still around. Mm -hmm. The annual income at the time was like two thousand three hundred ninety dollars a year. Wow. A house cost like $5600 and a new car was 1200 and a postage stamp I found out was like 3 cents.
1: I'm surprised it was that high.
0: Right. And then coffee as usual was the most expensive at 70, it's still the most expensive to this day. And you could buy a movie ticket for a nickel. You could also make a phone call for a nickel, you could buy a cup of coffee for a nickel. Public transport, wow. transfer, you know, transportation was also a nickel. So it didn't take much for her probably to live on. And I'm sure she, you know, would go to the movies a lot. I mean it sounds like she did actually from what I found out.
1: I had read that she did. Mm-hmm. She loved the movies. Yeah. And she it didn't bother her to go by herself. Yeah.
0: Yeah. She would go by herself. Mm-hmm. She met lots of people. She caught the attention of a lot of servicemen. She'd go dancing to the beach, restaurants and clubs. Um she was a regular at CBS Studios, Radio Studios on Sunset near Vine. But I and-
1: know exactly where that is.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, she would go there. And so, you know, it's almost like a carefree life. And yet, maybe it was like the movies. I wonder know. why
1: she was like a at d- the studios.
0: She loved going there and listening to the radio shows when they were uh, broadcast them. Mm. Yeah. So, it, it's just interesting. It's a very interesting, like she would have fun doing these things. And then also, she had no place to live.
1: But she, she was would, young, too. She would go I mean. to the
0: bars, but not drink. She would date lots of men, but not sleep around. Wow. Like, you know what I mean? Like, she's definitely the just opposite an of everything victim.
1: that connects yes. together. Yes. It doesn't connect together.
0: No, it doesn't.
1: Hmm.
0: Now, during this time before she was murdered, she was kicked out of the Hansons. So, remember, Mark Hanson? Mm-hmm. She was kicked out of his uh, house for getting into an argument with another girl that was living there and who was dating Hanson. And it appears that the other girl was actually the instigator, not oh. Beth. Hanson, I guess, opened up his home to young girls to live there. Interesting. And he just, there seems to be maybe a little bit of shadiness. Creepiness, Going mean? on. Mm-hmm. So, I guess Beth uh, lied about making a long-distance phone call that she made. And then she left him to pay the bill. And she also lied about making the phone call saying she didn't.
1: I mean, like, how much could the bill be?
0: I have no in the idea. 40s? But Hanson swears that he was never interested in Beth. But Ann Toth, her friend and others, says that he was uh, infatuated with her and that they never slept together. Hanson was known for, you know, again, hosting these young aspiring actresses down on their luck. And there were accusations of favors exchanged for those services, but not with Beth. Anne said that Beth was the one girl never approached by Hanson because he thought Beth was a virgin which she led him to believe according to Anne. But that might have been a lie as well.
1: Well, we don't know really if she was or not.
0: Yeah. And then Anne said that Hanson and Beth were going together at first. So this is her friend that paid for her rent at the Chancellor. So she said they were going together at first but Beth thinks that she wanted him to think that and that the two fought as well so for example she cleaned up his bathroom for him and threw out some stuff and that angered him and she said quote he got awful damn mad for about a week plus beth stole his black book that ended up in her possession and was found after her death along with the long distance phone call unsavory characters you know I mean, it's crazy. And then Anne also thought that Beth was afraid of Hanson, so he was a suspect as well. I don't think he did it.
1: No, he's he might like young people, women, but that's not. And again, the him crime,
0: killer. and I'll get into this, but the crime took a lot of time. Oh yeah. So then, when I say sophisticated, that's what I mean. It was very methodical, mm-hmm. and it was well thought out. If that makes sense. And it wasn't a slash, you know, murder. Right. It, you know, it was very
1: methodical. And to do all that and clean her like they did, there would be blood somewhere. Yes. And they didn't have of, any and at his house. drained from her. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And there so, wasn't any
1: at his, at his house.
0: So to finish up on this episode, um, when Beth was at Mark Hansen's, men visited all the time. Again, Leo Himes was one of them. Uh, a guy named Marvin Margolis, I guess is how you would say his name. A man that Beth said was her cousin, but wasn't.
1: Oh, my gosh.
0: you see what I mean? It's I like don't over understand and over. all
1: the lies over <laughs> like, and over. Ones that don't even matter. Right. Maybe it's a, it's a protector. You know, that's my cousin. People might could. leave me alone. Some
0: of them, I could see that. Right. Like, you know, just because yeah. she was by herself. Now, Margolis was eyed as a su- suspect even as late as 1949. He was interrogated, but there was nothing to tie him to the crime. I believe the reason he was looked at so close is because he was a medical student and the nature of the crime caused many to believe the killer had to have some medical knowledge.
1: I think that too.
0: Ironically, get this, we're going to end with this. uh, Mark Hansen was shot in 1949. Lola Titus shot him while he was shaving in his bathroom because he was, quote, either going to love me, marry me, and take care of me, or I was going to kill him. Wow. His lung was pierced by the bullet, and his heart was missed by seven tenths of an inch. That gave investigators a reason to search Mark, Mark Hansen's home, you know, in 1949. So this is, you know, years after she was murdered, because he was a suspect, but they did not find any evidence. They did find two pictures of Beth. They also. Bu- Man, puppy. They also bugged his home. But there... Oh, two pictures? Mm-hmm. He kept
1: two pictures yep. of her.
0: And then they bugged his home, but nothing. So what had happened is Mark had separated from his wife and children at the time, and he rented his home to these young girls. And then in July of 1949, he moved back home to his family. Mark and Ann Toth kept in touch for years after Beth's murder. Wow. So... Again, I don't think he did it either, though. I don't. I don't. I don't think any of these people did it because, uh, now, again, we don't know much about them either, but I don't. There's a specific kind of killer. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I mean, yeah, a it, sexual sadist yeah, yeah. type
1: of killer. So With it, medical uh, knowledge? Maybe.
0: Yeah. I think definitely had to have some knowledge, at least of anatomy, to know where yeah. to cut the body.
1: Yeah, or he would have had more damage to the body. Yes. I mean everything was just clean, and clean. And even the
0: stuff he did to her post death. It it's a and when I say special kind of killer, I don't mean special as in, you know, they're highly intelligent or anything like that. No. I just mean they're it's a sexual sadist type of killer and what he did to her was to humiliate her forever. It was horrible. It was. But then you
1: think uh, today you would think that's he really, really knew her mm-hmm. or to humiliate her like that. Yeah. Like she turned him down know, for some reason. Because
0: a lot of sexual sadists, I do think that some of the stuff maybe could have been like intense anger. But with a sexual sadist, they enjoy seeing the fear and, they, and the torture. That's very important. That's actually what gets them off more is the torture of the victim and the fear they cause, not necessarily the sex act. Some of them never have sex, sex actually, with the victim. So I'm not sure it has to be someone that knows her because a sexual sadist is, to me... Someone that could do what they did to her and not know her—that'd be a stranger know, on stranger.
1: Someone that violent, though. If you if you talk to his friends or old girlfriends, um, any of those men, mm-hmm. there'd ha- there'd be flags somewhere. Yes, right. But it'd have to be
0: identifying the uh, a viable suspect.
1: But everyone they picked, I'm sure they did. They checked old past girlfriends, wives. Yes,
0: but. Your idea that it might have been someone that knew her is very viable, which we'll get into when we discuss oh, the suspect. Because it was very so interesting
1: to humiliate her. That's why I assume that. Don't know, but, again, but he
0: had a sexual sadist and then showing right, off his right, work and right. all that. Like, there's definitely some psychology behind the killer for sure. I so, wonder if there might have been two. I don't think so. I don't either. Mm, I think it was one. You know, I
1: read somewhere, or one of the podcasts, you know, uh, the ones I listen to. Mm-hmm. That is that what um, you do
0: with podcasts, is you listen?
1: Y- well, yeah. Well, I was just saying that as the one, you know the one I listen to most of the time. Is it True Crime Garage? Yeah, mm-hmm. True Crime Garage. That's I'm excellent. I'm going through
0: every single one. I'm like on episode I 189. I am, made too. Maybe like 500. I
1: am, too. And I skipped to the recent ones I had, to.
0: No, no, I'm, no. But they...
1: Uh, said that there was proof of some kind that she had been moved somewhere, her pose had been, she'd been reposed. Hmm. I don't know how they know that. I don't
0: either. Yeah, you have
1: to listen to it. It's really well, interesting. I did. I don't
0: remember that. Oh, you don't so remember I have to go back. Maybe it yeah, was I a book Yeah, I don't remember then. that. Hmm.
1: That something was off on the body. Like, well, the fact Well, that- well yeah, I mean, but other than that. <laughs> Like she that she had been reposed like and all that I might be thinking of something else, but the way her body was, um, something I I don't know why I said that because I'm not even sure of all the facts, (laughs) but something about you know when you stiffen up, yes, you know after time you lose. Okay, so
0: like the rigor mortis and then the blood settles. Yeah, so yeah, maybe. Oh, I know what you're thinking that she died somewhere else and was there for a while. And then when she was posed. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I have heard that's that. That's what I
1: wanted to say. It well, just well, you wasn't know, coming out. Some of us just have the. Must be Dutch. that
0: Manhattan. We only had a sip before you had That was enough. That really burned face. my throat. I told everybody, did I not say that she's a wimp when it comes to. Well, you didn't drinks. like it. You almost. No, I. I you almost no, got no, no, sick, no, no. It no, like. no. Let's make sure. You made no, a face. I did not want to make it on get tape. sick. No, it's definitely shocking, right? <laughs> so you take the drink, you're like, wow. You know, kind of get you in the throat. Could you throat? imagine back then you had such strong burns drinks? it down did down as it goes, right? But mm-hmm. no, actually the taste is very pleasant. No. Yes,
1: it is. It wasn't. Take me at my word. Don't try it. No, try it. It's good.
0: Outline of a Murder is a Mr. Joseph production. What do you think, Joseph?